Well, it might be worth going through the traditional prayer that our Lord has taught us, the Our Father. It's a very special prayer. It has come directly from the lips of Christ himself. And it's a great consolation to know that every time we recite the Our Father, we are doing precisely what Jesus Christ has commanded us to do. And this is a prayer straight from the heart of God himself. And it's profound. We could never exhaust the riches it contains. But maybe within just a few minutes here we can talk about it a little bit and gain some understanding into what precisely it is we are saying when we, when we pray the Our Father. We say, first of all, Our Father. When we refer to God as our Father, we're not referring to him as Father in the sense in which he is Father of all creation. We are referring to him in the sense of Father in virtue of our own supernatural sonship or daughterhood, our own supernatural uh, status as sons and daughters of God, based in the gift of grace that's received through the sacrament of baptism because of and for the sake of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And that's why we refer to God as Father in the Our Father. Not just because he created us, but because he redeemed us and he restored to us the gift of grace through his Son, Jesus. Going on, we say, Hallowed be thy name. We're saying, essentially, may your name be sanctified. And the question would naturally arise, how can God and his name be sanctified? Isn't God already holy? Can he somehow increase in holiness? Why are we asking that his name would be sanctified? We sanctify the gifts at the altar. Through baptism, we become sanctified. If we lose grace and we repent and go to confession, we are again sanctified. So it makes sense for creatures to go from a state of not being sanctified to being sanctified, or from a state of lesser sanctification to greater sanctification. But can that be the case with God? In fact, no, it cannot be. God's holiness is immutable, it's unchangeable, and it can't increase or decrease or be lost or be gained. And so when we ask that God's name be sanctified, what we're actually saying is that we ourselves would become holier and that God's holiness would then become more evident in our lives. And so it's not God's sanctity per se, but it's the world's knowledge of God's sanctity that it sees in us and in our own lives. And so when we say, hallowed be thy name, we're asking that we actually his sons and daughters would grow in holiness. And then we move on. We say, Thy thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is very much similar to what we're saying when we say, Hallowed be thy name. God's will is not yet perfectly manifested in the world because of the existence of sin. God would have, and ignorance and darkness, God would have all men to come to the knowledge of the truth and to be sanctified and to be saved. And so that's what we're praying when we're saying God's kingdom come, God's will be done. 
We're praying for the eradication of ignorance and darkness and sin. And so that uh, God's rule and his lordship would become uh, evident in the world. And then we move on and we say, give us this day our daily bread. Now, uh, you know, right off the bat we might say this is talking about our daily needs for our body. And that's that's certainly what it pertains to. But it also pertains to the Holy Eucharist and it pertains to Christ who is our bread, the bread of life, the true bread of life who has come down from heaven. And when we say, give us this day our daily bread, what we're praying and asking for is that we would be uh, maintained in holiness and in a state of grace on a daily basis such that we would be worthy to receive Holy Communion. And so uh, this is, again, a, a further prayer for our own sanctification and holiness because we can lose that sanctification, that grace that's given to us in baptism through mortal sin. We can lose it. And so it's given to us by God's grace and by his help on a daily basis. And that's what we're praying for every day. And then we forgive. We say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And of course, this line is preached about very frequently, I think, by priests, as it should be. And it's a very common truth that hopefully is, is known to us all, that unless we forgive others, we ourselves are not going to be forgiven. It's extremely important truth. And then finally we say, lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from evil. And these two lines here are put in parallelism with, with one another. They basically mean the same thing. They're getting at the same object, but they're coming at it from two different angles. Uh, but the, the same object that they're trying to get at is um, this, te- this word here, temptation, does not mean, see, there's, temptation can be used in two senses. On the one hand, temptation can mean uh, an experience of our flesh or the devil soliciting us through our passions to commit a sin that we have yet to have committed. But he's kind of he's tempting us. That's how we think of temptation normally. But temptation is also used in a different sense in the scriptures. It's also used in the sense of uh, having already succumbed to temptation. And that's the sense primarily for which we're asking God right now. Lead us not into temptation. What we're saying to him, we're saying, do not bring us to spiritual destruction. Do not allow us to fall into mortal sin. Do not allow us to lose that sanctification for which this prayer uh, has been focused on from the beginning to the end. And uh, I have preached it before, I preach it again. It's extremely important to ask for the grace of final perseverance that until our dying day, until our last breath, we would have in our hearts the grace of God. And we ask for that every day in this prayer. And we should be more and more deliberate in asking for that grace.